You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. All these charts, you know, there's so many bad charts out there. I look at, you know, various technology names that are just broken charts. And then you go to a lot of these miners and they're they're actually really nice consolidation patterns that are forming for potential bullish breakouts in 2022. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. My guest today is Gareth Soloway of InTheMoneyStocks.com. He's a market commentator as well as a chart technician. And so he's going to be talking us through his view of the markets. I'm going to ask him some questions about the miners and commodities, get some uh, different thoughts from him as Garrett is a uh, very popular and has gone on many shows. I don't want to just talk about the general equities, but I want to get into some specific names, Gareth, so you can share your insights. But I do want to start with something you've talked about frequently, which is gold. You've said that gold could reach $3,000 this year. It's at $1,800, so that'd be a little less than a double. But I'm curious, uh, you may see that in the charts, but what would be some reasons in your analysis why gold might not reach $3,000? Yeah, so so I think so. You're right. You know, generally the the best case for gold would be a move to three thousand by the end of 2022. And I think the reasons why it might not, if we saw a dramatic drop in inflation, I think that would be one thing that would get my attention. So if all of a sudden inflation went back to two percent, um, now again the odds of that happening are probably very very low. But that would certainly put a damper on gold's performance, right? I mean, the whole idea is that the money printing is going to continue even as much as the Fed says, hey, we're going to cut back, we're going to get inflation under control, we're going to taper, we're going to even reduce our balance sheet. I have a hard time believing that they're going to get through all of these steps without some problems arising in the stock market. Like Even if you look at the stock market now, we're already seeing big drops in the NASDAQ, uh, in technology stocks, as interest rates have pushed up to like 1.8%. So, so again, I think if you saw inflation come down sizably, if you saw everything working on all fronts, maybe the economy is like kind of that Goldilocks just right, then it would kind of take that edge off of the gold trade that would push it up here. So it pushes the inevitable rise of gold back in your view. Would that be accurate to say? And again, you know, just in all fairness, so, so being a chart technician, I always rely on the charts as the foremost kind of indicator. And the, there's still a bull flag on, on the gold chart. So you've, you've consolidated now since 2020, uh, basically a full year and a half at this point. Um, and that consolidation is bullish. So the chart is telling us we're going higher. Um, but again, charts have a, have a very small percentage of the time they fail. So you always want to look at the opposite like you're asking me. Gareth, I've been running this channel for over five years. So I have five years of reading through YouTube comments related to gold and chart technicians. And there's probably about a 15 to 25% of my audience that I notice is very skeptical when it comes to charting and technicians. They'll say one guy can see this and another guy can see that in the same chart pattern. Uh, What would you say to someone like that? Yeah, so valid to have skepticism. You should always have skepticism uh, about anything um, and then do the research yourself. Uh, what I could tell you is that I've used it for now, you know, 20 years and I've done it profitably. So I think if you know what you're doing and you really spend time learning, there are certain things that will blow you away as you learn and connect the dots. And that's really what charting is, right? You're connecting high pivots, you're lo- noticing trend lines that are key supporter resistance. And you'll notice that, you know, there's certain things that happen at those levels, or at least the probabilities are that they happen at those levels. And that's really all we do as chart technicians. We're not expecting to be right 100 percent of the time. We just want to be right more than we're wrong. And looking at the charts is really the only edge I have ever found in technical, in, in trading period. 
So would you consider it an art or a science? I think a little bit of both. I think I think I look at things, I look at the charts and I say, okay, this trend line is right here. And then I look at the markets and I say, okay, the markets are collapsing. There's fear, there's there's emotion. And if I'm looking to buy, let's say at $50 on a stock or a commodity and it's coming down hard, I may look to buy just below that because of the art of panic and understanding emotion and people kind of just throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So I think it's a little combo of both actually. We're a week and a half into the new year. Has it met your expectations? Are you seeing things occur that you expected in December? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the volatility for me as a shorter term trader, you know, I'm a swing trader, so I hold for weeks, days, maybe months, and then day trade as well. The volatility increase in the markets has been phenomenal for us as traders. I mean, when you see technology names like uh, Teladoc, TDOC, and, and SE, which is a, a kind of a small Amazon out of, out of the Koreas, you know, if you look at these type of moves where they're just collapsing by 50, 60% in a short period of time, there's always going to be opportunities there. And I always told people when we were at the highs of the market and the highs on these names, you never want to chase. Just like with Bitcoin, you never wanted to chase at 65000 Be patient. You almost always will get a better entry price. Yeah. So you've been right so far as Bitcoin is pulled back when people were ultra bullish, 100000 You were saying 18000 possibility on this show as well as many other shows. But beyond Bitcoin, what's your most contrarian call right now going against the herd? Oh, Wow contrarian call. So I think the biggest one for me is, is that China stocks will be one of the best performers this year. Um, and again, they've been hated on. Analysts say don't invest there. Um, I think you invest there, but you have to do it smartly, meaning you don't over leverage yourself. You don't put too much of your account there. But they're the only area in the stock market, aside from gold, where I see a very solid potential return in 2022. And again, we're already seeing some of these moves, like even in today's you know debacle with, with the markets being down sizably, some of the Chinese stocks are actually green and they've had a big move so far in 2022. Let's talk gold miners and let's jump into Newmont, the sector leader, NEM. What are you seeing in this chart action? Yeah. So we'll take a look at the chart here. Let's get right into it. And what I see on Newmont is that you've basically been consolidating. So if I zoom out on the chart, and for those of you that are just listening, what I'm doing is I'm looking at a chart that goes back to 2019. And what we can see is that you had a big move up from 2019 to early 2020, which coincided with gold, right? And basically what you've put in is a sideways consolidation. You can connect the lows, you can pretty much connect the highs as well. And it creates what we call a channel, which is sideways digestion of the big move up from 2019 to 2020. Now that move essentially is telling us that at some point in the, probably in the next six months, you're going to have a break to the upside on Newmont mining. The breakout level would be between 72 and $73. So it's trading at $60. It has a fair distance to go to get there. But again, that would be the move. And again, the chart is no doubt bullish when you're looking at the longer time period here. So definitely bullish on, on Newmont mining. Uh, it looks like in the short term, it's getting a little bit of momentum. It's starting to curl up. We'll have to see if it gets to that 72 to 73 level. Does it look more bullish than the GLD chart to you? Let me take a look here. You would assume they'd be mostly trading together. Um, let me bring up the GLD here. The GLD to me is, is interesting here. So on the GLD, we have kind of this down sloping trend line, which is which to me, it tells me that gold is closer 
to a potential breakout than Newmont Mining. Uh, doesn't mean Newmont Mining percentage-wise won't outperform gold. So generally, as you guys know, the uh, gold miners usually percentage-wise do better than gold on every uptick. But it looks to me like you have a closer opportunity on, on the GLD for a breakout. It looks like just around 171 on the GLD would be a break above the wedge pattern high. And then you should have a pretty quick move to about the 192 to 193 level on the GLD. So you know, in all fairness, if gold breaks out, then I wouldn't even wait for the breakout on, on Newmont Mining. I would probably just jump in Newmont Mining if you're interested in that one. Because again, you know, if gold's really going to go like I think it's going to go, the miners are going to do really, really well anyways. And I don't think you have to kind of say, oh, well, I'm only buying Newmont if it gets up to this level. In an inflationary environment, copper should do well. So let's jump to the proxy for that. Freeport, McMoran, FCX. FCX, absolutely. So yeah, so Freeport MacMoran, I mean, it's amazing because so many of these miners, um, including Freeport MacMoran, even though it's not as, you know, granted it does do some gold, but it's like you said, it's more of a proxy for, for, um, you know, for copper. And again, you had that same upside move here that went sharply all the way from 2000, really this one was 2020 from the COVID lows all the way to 2021, right around April. And then since then, you've, you're almost making a little bit of a cup pattern. So we all know the cup and handle pattern. So what I would look for here is, is you know, maybe a little bit more upside to the 45 to 46 level, and then look for a flag pattern, which would create that handle pattern. And then I think, again, same thing, you get a breakout above 45 or 46, and this thing has legs to the upside. So again, all these charts, you know, there's so many bad charts out there. I look at, you know, various technology names that are just broken charts. And then you go to a lot of these miners and they're, they're actually really nice consolidation patterns that are forming for potential bullish breakouts in 2022. FPX Nickel is developing the large-scale Dakar Nickel District in central British Columbia. Within the district is FPX Nickel's PEA stage Baptiste Nickel Deposit, which is projected to be among the world's top 10 largest nickel mines by annual output. The Baptiste Deposit has the potential for the lowest quartile operating costs at just $2.74 per pound. And compared to recent global nickel mines, the project requires a low capex. FPX is also commencing its first-ever drill program at its van target in the Dakar Nickel District. Surface samples have indicated that the van target footprint is larger in scale and 10 to 15% higher in grade than Baptiste. FPX Nickel trades in Canada as FPX and on the OTC under FPOCF. To learn more, go to fpxnickel.com. That's fpxnickel.com. Uh, UNG, natural gas. Uh, European natural gas is going crazy right now. Where I live in Michigan, you're in Florida, but where I yeah. live in Michigan, we're getting single digits this week. So where do, where do, you, where do you see natural gas going? So natural gas, um, at least on the UNG chart, it looks a little bit on the mixed side right now. So again, one of the concerns I have is number one, it had a big fall, right? We had that big fall back down. And now you've kind of started to curl a little bit to the upside. But the question is, is this forming what we would refer to as a bearish pattern of consolidation? Or is it you know, curling up to make another run back to the highs? I would err on the side of caution on this chart. It's certainly not like the charts that we've looked at on the on the miners, for instance, where it was very defined in, in terms of a bull flag. This is much more of a neutral chart. I would kind of just sit back and watch it for the time being. And then, you know, if the pattern develops, that would be where you would play it. You could jump on board at that point. USO oil. I know you play this one too. Okay. 
Absolutely. In fact, um, I am short oil right now. Uh, so again, you know, that's important to kind of disclose. And, and the, the idea here is that as we get further into kind of the next six to 12 months, I do believe that you're, as, as the Fed draws liquidity from the system um, and the government is having a lot of trouble passing new stimulus bills and so forth, like the Build Back Better plan, um, you're going to see the economy start to slow just a little bit. And it kind of builds that case of saying, okay, well, the demand for oil may stall a little bit as well if that does happen. So again, I'm short oil right up at this range, in fact. Um, and again, we did see on, on oil, there was a little pivot high right here. It's right around the 56 and a quarter level that we kind of pierced and now we're coming back underneath. You also have the double top that was just above 58, which will also be resistance. So I'm looking for a rollover in oil to the downside. This is still a defined top at around $58.25. That was the high back in October before the big dip that took us from 58 and change all the way back to about 46, all the way down here. Um, so again, as we're retracing, as long as you do not take out that 58 and a quarter high, you have to say that is the major pivot until it's proven otherwise that that was a top. I'm going to look for a pullback in oil. And I think oil on the USO at least probably comes back to about 52 before it meets any sort of major support. What about Caterpillar, the supplier of heavy machinery that to both the mining industry and the, the building industry? Yeah, Caterpillar's had a monstrous move in the near term here. So, so just in terms of a trade, I'd be I'd be on the sidelines. Uh, one of the beautiful things about this chart is that if you go back to May, March, May, you know, April, May, there was a very defined kind of low pivot. And if you take a trend line and extend it out, it's right around 227 or 226. You can see there's a lot of resistance right there. And we just ran into it on Caterpillar. Now, I will say this. With everything going on, I think Caterpillar down the line performs very, very well, but I just wouldn't chase it after it's made a run in just the last week from basically 207 to 225 to 230. So wait for it to consolidate, look for a bull flag to form, which would be kind of a sloping down consolidation pattern, maybe for a week or two, and then look to buy it on a retrace to about the 216 pivot, which was the early November high. Often charts will test back at these levels. They're kind of retraces to kind of what we would call the scene of the crime, meaning that this was the breakout level at 216, where it ran to about 228. So look for it to check back to that home base there at 216. And then I think that's your opportunity to buy it in the near term. Gareth, I've talked to uh, numerous people in the resource sector in the last couple of months, and they believe that the carbon markets are the place to be to where corporations are either forced or voluntarily buy carbon offsets, um, trees and forests and so forth to offset their carbon footprint. Uh, one company is the Carbon Streaming Corporation, NETZ.NE on the NEO exchange. Could you just analyze this chart as a proxy? Uh, what do you see yeah. going on? Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's, it's had a really remarkable upsloping trend for the last, I mean, basically I'm seeing that this looks like it debuted not too long ago, going back to yep. uh, August of 2020. And then a share consolidation. Yep. So what, what we're seeing here is, is a little bit of a pullback recently from about $17 back to about 14, 
47 currently. And there's a little trend line. If you connect all the lows going back to when it was launched, they all align in a straight line. And this is where, for those of you that were kind of doubting charts and kind of wondering what the heck is going on, just connect all those lows and you'll see it lines up perfectly um, with a trend line, a straight line right through. So what that tells me is if, if this NETZ pulls back to that line, that should be support in the near term. It's right around $14. So with it trading around $14.45 right now, there's actually very good support there. I love this concept. I think it's a huge concept going forward. So I would be a buyer around $14 uh, on a retrace to that trend line and look for a move up, up and, and maybe a new high. Gareth, how do you trade IPOs? So we see IPOs out of these SPACs. And I mean, so for example, Truth Social, Donald Trump's new endeavor, I think it's DWAC, you know, that went ballistic. How do you trade an IPO, if at all? So the, the only way I would suggest trading an IPO is if you can get the shares ahead of it being released. And the reason I say that is because that's where big money is going to get in. And once it opens to the public, it's kind of like, you know, everyone is just throwing out a hope that it's going to be a good buy. You don't have any technical levels there. There's nothing that tells you that this is going to be a good spot. And, and especially recently, listen, six months ago, eight months ago, you could buy anything and you made crazy money on it to the upside. Now you're seeing all those stocks that ran up, they're all crashing back down to earth. And they're actually a lot, quite a bit, even like Rivian's back below its IPO price or trading right around there. So, so for me, I always look, the only reason I'm going to ever invest is if I have an edge. Edge, right, and for me, the charts are my edge. It's the ability to read support and resistance levels. And with IPOs, I just don't have an edge. And so I always say to myself, and I try to remind myself, you know, don't get caught up in the hype. You know, you're going to hear from your buddies that this is going to be the new life changing stock. And in general, it's usually not that case, right? So, so in general, I would say unless you can say I have an edge, meaning I know something that other people don't, I would stay on the sidelines from IPOs. So if you need that chart to get an edge, what do you restrict yourself to? Like three months after an IPO before you'd even consider it? Or do you have a time frame that you use as a guiding principle? Yeah. So, so generally I want three months, I would say three months plus. The only other situation would be is if it just goes ballistic. So like for instance, when Rivian ran up to, I think it was like $175, I ended up bu uh, buying some puts at that point because it was just so ludicrous. Now I did it with a very, very small percentage of my account because it was so, you know, if, if it's run up that much, it could easily go higher and I don't want to risk too much of my capital. But there are certain situations where things will get so out of whack where I will take a small stab. But aside from that, it's that's exactly right. I, I wait for enough pat, enough po points on my chart where I can actually make some sort of you know logical assumptions. I've heard you say that Tesla is probably a little overbought right now, but when it ran up 18 months ago, seven or eight times, did you participate in that run-up? Uh, no, in all fairness, no, I, I didn't on the upside. I mean, I, there were a couple opportunities where it pulled back sharp and I was able to buy support, but I, I never stuck with it on the way up, you know, when it ran up to $1,200. In fact, I was more on the other side of looking to short it to the downside. One thing I'd love to show you guys, check out this chart on Tesla here. It's really kind of cool. And what you can see is going back to 2020, there's a channel where the lows have coordinated perfectly with the low line, the low upsloping trend line. And if you connect the highs, they actually form perfectly parallel lines. And so for as, as a trader, you can actually utilize that where you could short the high end and look to bring it back down and vice versa. Um, but yeah, it definitely, you know, one of the things about me as a trader is that I've missed um, countless opportunities, but as a trader, if, if it doesn't make sense, like I can't, if, if something's running up exponentially, 
and I can't make sense of it, then it's not something I should be in. And again, that's the discipline I think that has been the big change from me being an early trader in my early career where I lost money to where I am now. There's lots of opportunities I'll miss, but it's about, can you just find a handful of opportunities a month that you bank on? And then before you know it, you're making tens of thousands of dollars per month as a trader and you're more than happy. You don't have to hit everything. And again, it's all about risk reward. I'd like to get your commentary on two more things related to the economy, real estate. Obviously, this is infected by what goes on in the economy and interest rates. Uh, maybe you could analyze an ETF for us on real estate and tell us what you see. Yeah, yeah. So we could look at the the REIT REIT here, and and just a full fair disclosure. So so I moved to Florida recently, about in August, and I actually sold my home in Oregon. So we I'm not a homeowner anymore. Uh, we're renting at this point, and I did that on purpose because to me it it struck me as a a bubble in the real estate market. Now listen, if you're you know it doesn't mean everyone needs to do that, but for me you know being at the point where I was ready to move, it was kind of an easy decision to sell that and then just rent here in Florida until prices come back in. But looking at the um, the REIT here, uh, it's certainly, you can see the run that it has had. It has had an absolutely amazing run to the upside. And I do think it's now starting to correct. The fact that interest rates are moving up is going to put put pressure on prices, right? The fact that liquidity and the stock market's now not necessarily going up. And again, keep that in mind. Part of the run in real estate was the fact that there was such a wealth effect being generated by the stock market, which was being pushed by the Federal Reserve, that it created you know, millionaires and so forth, and they went out and bought houses, right? So now you're in a situation where if the stock market isn't performing, cryptocurrency isn't performing, there's going to be less people that are making enough money to go buy a house. Uh, then add into the higher interest rate factor where mortgage payments are going to be higher now. It To me, it's spelling downside in the real estate market. I wouldn't be surprised if by year end, real estate prices are down maybe as much as 20% off of their highs. I heard a uh, contrary argument where they say they look at availability of home relative to buyers and they say those fundamentals still spell at least for 18 to 24 months higher prices. Have you engaged that argument at all? Yeah, you know, and that listen, there's always a chance. I've always said when I sell, whether it's real estate or stocks, there's always a chance it goes a little bit higher. I don't try to sell the exact highs or buy the exact lows, just try to be close. So that is a possibility. But again, you know, the question I would have for that argument is, you know, those people that are were actively looking for, you know, a house and saying, okay, I want to buy, I just can't find right now were those people that had money in GameStop or AMC and now they've just lost 50% of their investment capital and now they're stepping back and saying, okay, wait a minute, maybe I can't afford this house now. You know, what happens if the stock market corrects 20%? How many people drop out of potentially looking for houses because of that? So again, I think there, there definitely could be some validity to that argument, but again, watch the stock market, watch cryptocurrency, and I think that will dictate it for the most part. Gareth, to that point, I just bought a new house and my realtor told me she had has a lot of seven-figure cash sales. And most of those cash sales are from the stock market, people's I success bet. in the stock market. And I think that's so awesome. You know, like at least people are putting their money to good use, right? I mean, no better thing than to buy a house. You have an asset then, and you don't, you know, you're taking your money out of the stock market at, le at least. So if the stock market does have a big correction, you actually have a physical asset like that. Okay. Last thing to analyze, the Jets ETF airlines, you know, especially if they're going to mandate, I, this could be affected by a lot of the headlines. Okay. You have to be vaccinated in order to fly in the US. That's something that's been thrown around the last two weeks. That seems to me like it would really hurt the airline industry. 
Um, what do you see affecting the airline industry and what do you see going on in this chart? Yeah. So, so I think, I think it's interesting and to watch the development here, I'm really curious to keep an eye on the Omicron uh, variant numbers because they're now talking that as quickly as this has run up because it was so many cases, they're now talking about maybe we've peaked in many States. Uh, if that starts to come down, then you would assume airline stocks would be on the upside or have upside potential to it. So if we look at the chart, what we want to look is does that thesis have legs, meaning does it confirm it? And one of the things that I could see here, so here was your May, 2020 drop we, the jets ETF dropped from about $32 all the way down to about 12. Uh, what then happened, we had that nice bounce back. And then here you can see a flag pattern developing, right? So you've seen inside bar consolidation. This is actually bullish on the Jets ETF right now with it trading at $21.87. So I think that narrative where cases may have peaked, people are still itching to plan travel and so forth. I think that has legs to it. And I would say that you have an upside move back to 32 potentially on the jets over the next, you know, let's say six to 12 months, I think it could easily perform there. So the chart actually looks pretty good here. Look for a breakout. There's a short-term trend line down sloping. Looks like right around $22. If it can get through 22, you might see a decent little move up here. Maybe again, in the next six to 12 months, testing that 32 level. Gareth, your website is inthemoneystocks.com. Anything new there that listeners should know about? Um, just continued great action. I'll tell you, I, I was, had my head spinning today because of day trading action and swing trading action. So, so lots of action because of the craziness in the markets. And I don't know if uh, people know out there, but I launched a crypto website. It's only cryptocurrency. We're trading, you know, basically the top 20 as swing trades. Um, and it's verifiedinvestingcrypto.com. So great place. If you're more into just cryptocurrency to check me out there. Okay. And I'll put both those links in the show notes. Thanks for uh, coming on the show today, Gareth, and providing your insights. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well, or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.